Well, this old book by Max Licato in the Eye of the Storm, it begins in the introduction in this way. It talks about Chippy the parakeet. He never saw it coming. One second he was peacefully perched in his cage, the next he was sucked up, washed up, and blown over. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it into the cage, and the phone rang, and she turned to pick it up, and she'd barely said hello, and Chippy was sucked in. Uh, The bird owner gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum and opened the bag, and there was Chippy, still alive but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced him to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and held Chippy under the running water. Then realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with hot air. Poor Chippy never saw what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who initially had written about this event contacted Chippy's owner to see what the, how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing anymore. He just sits there and stares. It's hard not to see why, Locato goes on. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. That's enough to steal the song from any of the stoutest heart. Can you relate to Chippy? Most of us can. One minute you're seated in familiar territory with a song on your lips. Then the pink slip comes. The rejection letter arrives. The doctor calls. The police show up at the door. The divorce papers are delivered. The check bounces. And you're sucked into a black cavern of doubts, doused with cold water of reality, and stung with the hot air of empty promises. The life that had been so calm is now so stormy. You're hailstormed by demands, assailed by doubts, pummeled by questions, and somewhere in the trauma, you lose your joy. Somewhere in the storm, you lose your song, your song of praise, your song of thanksgiving. But fortunately, there are other songs that God taught us to sing, the songs of lament, in the, book of the, in the book of Psalms, one-third of the Psalms are dedicated to songs of lament. For example, Psalm 13 goes on to say, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will your enemy triumph over me? Or Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish or psalm 42 i say to god why have you forgotten me why must i go mourning oppressed by my enemy psalm 44 why do you hide your face and forget the misery and oppression or psalm 77 has god forgotten to be merciful has he in anger withheld his companions and compassion There's also another book in Scripture, the entire book that is dedicated to lament and sorrow. It's appropriately called Lamentations. It was written by Jeremiah upon the loss of Jerusalem as it was um, conquered by Babylon and destroyed and people taken into exile into Babylon as slaves. 
only about a dozen verses, and we read a few of them this morning, only about a dozen verses in the entire five-chapter book of Lamentations, are there, is there any hope, any positive hope that God is at work? The rest of the book is kind of complaining to God and presenting and pleading and crying out to God. Kind of depressing. But last week we talked about not complaining or arguing or grumbling. In Philippians, Apostle Paul says, do everything without grumbling or complaining so that you shine like stars in this universe. Well, what is it? The Bible says, be thankful in all circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord always. Can we complain? Well, there are healthy ways to complain and unhealthy ways to complain. The grumbling and complaining word in Philippians is an unhealthy way that impugns God. It accuses God. It blames God. shakes the fist at God. It, it ridicules and even slanders God. And it also slanders others. It seeks to retaliate verbally or in other ways. Healthy complaining, on the other hand, cries out to God, lays before him our troubled thoughts and our questions and our doubts and our confusion and our despair, our disappointments. Healthy complaining is crying out for justice as well. Psalm 142, psalmist writes, I pour out my complaints to you before the Lord. I reveal my trouble to him. And Peter puts it this way, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. So God is not offended by our questions and our doubts and our confusion and our cries for justice. In fact, they're healthy. He welcomes our honesty. We see this in David all the time throughout the book of Psalms. We see it in Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and different places. But David lamented about his suffering before, uh, because of King Saul pursuing him or because of his broken heart, because of his unfaithfulness, his repentance. Uh, Job, he lamented, obviously, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. Even Jesus cried out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, why do, why do you turn your back on me? And yet God responded by calling David a man after God's own heart. He said of Job compared to his other three friends, Job is the one who I'm pleased with. The other three friends who had their life together giving Job all their advice about his suffering he said, I'm not pleased with you. I'm going to have Job pray for you. David often complained to God about the injustice again of King Saul pursuing him, wanting to kill him. And when he had opportunity to exact revenge upon Saul, where God literally delivered Saul into the hands of David, David could have taken a knife and ended his misery. But instead, David responded, I am not going to touch the Lord's anointed. Even though this man was trying to kill him, he showed mercy, and he, he entrusted all judgment and vengeance upon God, who's the only one who can judge justly. When you find yourself complaining about injustices, are you using healthy or unhealthy tactics? Do you find yourself slandering others and losing your temper and 
Um, there are healthy ways to lay our complaints before God. So this is why God gave us lament in Scripture. First, to give us a healthy language to express our suffering. We live in a fallen world. There's much to lament. It's natural for us to lament. Either individually, there are 30 individual laments in the book of Psalms, and there are 12 corporate laments, so 42 psalms of lament. When we encounter difficulties and pain and injustices, it's natural to lament. Check out all of these ways to lament here. Upon devastation in our life, Psalm 22. When, we're in, when we need to repent for our wrongdoing, Psalm 51. When we're encountering fear, Psalm 69. There's a, a psalm for disappointment and longing for something more and depression and confusion and sorrow and anger. And when we want to complain. There are psalms for all of these. And some of these psalms are psalms of, for corporate lament, and others are for individual laments. I have to confess to you, I have a difficulty doing corporate lament. I don't, haven't practiced it much in my life. In fact, I sometimes resist it, thinking, why do I have, I have to lament for, say, racial injustice in the world? Or why do I have to lament for uh, sex trafficking? I'm not a part of that. Why do I have to lament because our politics are in disarray? I'm not, I'm not a part of that. Why do I have to lament because of uh, persecution for other Christians around the world? I, I, don't, I don't feed into that either. And so uh, corporate lament, you know, I blame other people, not me, Right? And you've heard that. I never owned slaves. Why do I have to lament for that? Well, the fact is, Jeremiah, who wrote the entire book of Lamentations, was called by God to uh, present judgment to his people, God's people, because they were into idolatry and all, all such. And, and Jeremiah said, God's going to judge you. You're going to go into exile if you don't repent. They hated Jeremiah. Rather, they listened to the false prophets. There are many false prophets saying, God's not going to judge you. So they hated Jeremiah. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. He had no friends, but he was the only one speaking the truth. And indeed, finally, the day came when the Babylonians came in and, and sieged Jerusalem. And after some time, they destroyed Jerusalem, took him into exile and yet what did Jeremiah say I told you so he could have gloated he could have, said, he could have exonerated himself but instead he lamented along with the people of God taken into slavery he lamented with them and I think he models a humility that we need as well we need to lament together um for example, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth to the church. The only thing in our country or world that will sustain it and make it healthy is the church. We are the preservative of the earth, the salt of the earth. That's who we are. If we blame the world and Hollywood and media and everyone else, government, for our unhealthy world, well, there are four fingers pointing back at us because we are the salt of the earth. We need to repent for not being the salt of the earth in many ways. We have to take ownership. 
And judgment begins with the house of God. That's where repentance starts. And so the Lord gave me a spanking this past week, saying, you need to repent corporately too, John. Not just individually, but corporately as a member of my church. Well, the fact is that God has put psalms of lament in his word to reveal something good about himself as well. Garrett Kidner says, the very presence of these psalms of lament is a witness to God's understanding. God knows, indeed he understands how we speak when we are desperate. If I were God, I wouldn't include these depressing books or chapters in my Bible. I wouldn't want accusatory words about my people. I'd want people of strong faith. Uh, But God included them, including the book of Lamentations, to remind us that he understands that we will experience suffering and that he can handle our questions and our doubts and our anger and disappointments. And I'm so grateful that God gave us language to lament. The second reason why I think God gave us the Psalms of Lament is to lead us into intimacy with God. Many people, when they come to Christ, they believe these three lies. They believe, now that I'm a Christian, nothing bad will ever happen to me. I'll be protected. And when bad things happen, then we sink into confusion and despair. Or another lie, my good circumstances are a sign of God's pleasure with me. He's pleased with me. Well, comedian George Burns, who was not a Christian, he was unfaithful to his wife for years. He probably smoked a dozen cigars every day, and yet he lived to be 100 years old. Another lie, my bad circumstances are a sign that God is not pleased with me. You know, half of our pain is believing that bad things cannot happen to Christ's followers. Or if bad things are happening, then something is wrong with me. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have trouble and tribulation. He said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So what is the ultimate sign of God's pleasure with us? It is his presence. It's his presence. Heaven will be heaven because God will be there and we'll see him in full. His, we'll be face to face with him, his presence. Hell will be hell because it'll be a complete absence of God's presence. God won't always spare us from difficult things in this life, but he does promise that he will walk with us through it. And David wrote about these. The famous passage, Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because... You are with me. Or Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Or Matthew 5, blessed are those that mourn for they will be comforted, Jesus said. God is honored when we cry out to him with our hurts and struggles. He calls us even blessed, blessed. Have you ever felt close? Have you ever felt... um, I'm sorry, how would you feel if someone called you on the phone and uh, they started unloading their burdens on you and and confessing their hurts and just asking for help in prayer support? 
you'd say, oh, that's great. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for entrusting your burdens to me that, and the, for the privilege to be able to pray with you. Ultimately, we will become closer as a result. Well, our Heavenly Father feels the same way when we share our deepest struggles with Him. He's honored that we choose to trust Him and entrust our burdens into His care. The, the deepest form of intimacy in any relationship, uh, it, it will remain intact even through dark times. Uh, the deepest form of friendship and relationship. It's like it's a covenant relationship. Covenant meaning unconditional. There's nothing that can happen in this relationship that will break it. But how many of you have had friends in your life or maybe a friend who got really close to you as long as you could give them something or provide something that they needed? But once you're unable to do so, they just drop you as a friend. They turn away. They might even get angry. Well, that's not a covenant relationship. That's a contractual relationship. It can be broken. When we first received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, in some ways it was contractual on our part. Oh, Jesus, please forgive my sins. I want to go have eternal life. I want to escape hell. Lord Jesus, I need freedom. I need joy. Please give me, give me, give me. And in some ways, when we first, in our immaturity, we came to Christ with a contractual relationship. Well, God wants us to develop that contractual relationship into a covenant relationship. That even if we're going through bad times, we'll trust in him. And we won't let go of him. Because he will never let go of us. This kind of relationship is what God offers us. He will never let go of us. And it's the kind he wants us to develop with him. And this is the kind that Job experienced. At the end of Job, after complaining throughout the whole book, oh God, I don't understand what's going on here. Job would declare, though he slay me, still I will trust in him. Uh, King Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he stood alone much of his life, but he held tightly onto God even though his life was painful. The Apostle Paul, he was shipwrecked and he was in prison and he was stoned and he was on and on, but Apostle Paul remained faithful to God. And then the disciples, post-resurrection, each one of them, except for one, they were killed for their faith. They were martyred because they named the name of Jesus and they held tightly on to their Lord and Savior. Covenant relationship. And this is the kind of intimacy that God longs to have with us. And he gives us language in his word that we might be able to cry out to him and not abandon him in our anger. Thirdly, psalms of lament can lead to healing in our lives. It's never healthy to stuff or hide our feelings. You know, put on the happy Sunday face and get our Bibles and dress up and go to church like I was raised. You know, we, that's not healthy. We need to learn how to identify and express our true feelings. In fact, counselors tell us there are five stages of grief. And we need to walk through all five stages if we're to come to ultimate healing. Denial, anger, bargaining with God, depression, and then finally acceptance and healing. It's necessary if we're going to heal to walk through all five stages. Maybe not in order, but to hit them. 
And the Psalms of Lament help us to identify and acknowledge our hurts and our anger and our denial and our bargaining and all these things so that we can ultimately find healing. Again, Psalm 142 says, I pour out my complaints before you. I pour out my, all this stuff, all this junk I poured out before you, God. I tell you my trouble, and God is, God is pleased when we do so. It's also helpful to confess our laments to our brothers and sisters in Christ. God gave us each other. And when we call up someone and ask them to lift, our, lift up our needs before him or just confess our weaknesses, James tells us, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous friend or person is, right, is powerful and effective. And then one more reason that God gave us psalms of lament. There are probably many more, but one I'm going to highlight is that the psalms of lament offer us not just healing, but hope for our future. All but two of the 42 psalms of lament include words of hope by the end of the psalm. For example, Psalm 71 says, You have allowed me to suffer much hardship, lament. But you will restore my life again, God. You will lift, up, lift me up from the depths of the earth. You will restore me to even greater honor and comfort me once again. But then there are those two maddening psalms that offer no hope whatsoever. Psalm 38 and Psalm 88. I heard this from Tim, Pastor Tim Keller recently. And Psalm 38 ends, it begins with hopelessness, it ends with, do not forsake me, do not be far from me, O God. Psalm 88 ends with, you have put me in the lowest pit, darkness is my closest friend. In other words, darkness is more of a friend to me right now than you are, God. Sounds like an indictment against God, but at least he's turning to God. Still, he's calling out to God in his complaints but sometimes though God even allows us these psalms because he knows that we feel completely stuck where we are in a valley of darkness and there doesn't seem to be an end to it it's a season and God says there are even psalms of lament for you then but still cry out to me we know that eventually David, the writer of Psalm 38, found relief from his misery, whether it be his sin of adultery and deception or fear from running from King Saul, because we read his later Psalms where David is rejoicing. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. You are my refuge. And, and then the other psalmist from Psalm 88 was Heman the Ezraite. We know that he would eventually experience happier days too because we read in 1 Chronicles that he went on to serve as the faithful choir director before the king and he went on to raise exceptional sons and daughters. We know that so Job obviously experienced joy at the end when God multiplied the blessings after his pain. And hundreds of years later, though, when Jesus hung on the cross, notice the same language. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness came over the land. Matthew 27, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, the Son of God came to us, and he was 
placed himself on the cross to experience the epitome of darkness and, and absence of God, being forsaken and being in dark. He took all the evil upon himself of the world so that we would not have to. So that when we experience darkness and when we feel God has abandoned us and we feel distant, we can know that he really hasn't. Jesus suffered it that we would not have to. Jesus said, now I will never leave you or forsake you. He, he says, nothing can ever separate you from the love of, of God in Christ Jesus. I am Emmanuel with you at all times. I want to conclude uh, by sharing a story by Ta Tony Campolo uh, who, men who mentions that even when we experience um, when we don't experience complete deliverance and suffering in this world we can still have hope that there's a better future for us. He writes this Tony Campolo says I was in a church in Oregon not too long ago and I prayed for a man with cancer. In the middle of the week I got a telephone call from his wife. She said, uh, you prayed for my husband. He had cancer. I said, had? And I thought, whoa, it, it happened. And then she went on and said, well, he passed away. And then Campolo confessed, I felt terrible. She continued, don't feel bad. When he came into that church that Sunday, he was filled with anger he knew he was going to be dead in a short period of time, and he hated God. He was only 58 years old, and he wanted to see his children and grandchildren grow up. He was angry that this all-powerful God didn't take away his sickness and heal him, so he would lie in bed and curse God. The more his anger grew towards God, the more miserable he was to everybody around him. It was an awful thing to be in his presence. And after you prayed for him, Tony, a peace came over him and a joy came into him Tony you got to understand that the last three days have been the best days of our lives we've sung together we've laughed we've read scripture together we've prayed together oh they've been wonderful days and I called to thank you for laying your hands on him and praying for healing and then she said something incredibly profound she said he wasn't cured, but he was healed. That's the hope we have in Christ Jesus, that we will be healed for eternity, if not this side of heaven, when we're in his presence. Why did God include these psalms of lament? He wanted us to have a language. He knows that this, this world is difficult. Secondly, he wants to lead us into intimacy with himself. When we call out to him, he comes close to us in our weakness. Thirdly, he wants to give us healing, lead us to healing. And then finally, he promises hope. Even this side of heaven, we have hope that we have a bright future. Let's pray. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are here in person and, and the many who are watching online still. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of hope, a God who doesn't abandon us in our darkness, but a, a God who comes to us, and you are the light of the world. You come to us, you're perfect, 
peace is available to us. But Lord, we know we still struggle emotionally with many ups and downs. We still miss our loved ones who have gone uh, to you before we have. And it still is very painful to walk this journey uh, without our partners or with our loved ones. Uh, it's difficult to watch people get sick with COVID and, and um, have to be quarantined and live in fear. And so, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us these psalms that allow us and give us permission to be completely honest before you and to come into your presence to allow you to lead us to hope and healing and intimacy. Thank you for being here today. Bless each person because they've chosen to come and be in your presence today. Amen.